Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. This is the best. What up, peoples? It's your boy, Gerard uh, Michaels. We on? We on. It's another beautiful Monday on Gas Digital, slick and thick in the house. Across the table from me at six foot three, 200 pounds, and every one of them is a problem. The master of punks, the tamer of sages, the king of the ring himself, the CEO of the RNC. Pretty. Mickey Gall. What's up, Mick? What up, G-Babe? How you doing, bro? What up, dog? I'm doing great, man. I'm going to move the camera up a little bit for me and Cornell over here. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. We got some, right, we got we some go. size. Of, this yeah. is what it feels like for me all the time. People are going to think you're small, and I'm like, yeah, no, he's just big. What are you talking about, man? Cornell's 6'8". Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm assuming my microphone's on because it doesn't sound like it is I to me. Okay, you still so sound a little hoarse though. Buddy. I am a big show, big show Friday night. We did that show tonight. Keeps getting bigger and bigger, man. Big show Friday. Lost my voice from recording for that all week. Brian Callen on Saturday at the Stress Factory. That was You're sick. Like a girl. I was like, oh, Callen, that's my baby. <laughs> yeah, man. Old Nick Simmons, good friend from back in the day. They're crushing it, man. That whole crew is crushing it. And you know who else is crushing? It. Who else crushing it? To our right, national headliner, the 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 host of the wet spot on cap on Compound Media is Chrissy Mayer. Thank correct? you, thank you for having me, guys. This what is up, a Ms. pleasure. Mayer? It's nice to be here. With so, you're all so tall, yeah, you're all gigantic. So. And, even Gerard, yeah. yeah. And luckily for you, <laughs> none of us are trans. <laughs> thank so, God. What a wow. That's <laughs> so. So you had a big weekend, huh? Well, so far at least, Gerard still got has one more year of it's eligibility true. True. At, uh, in college baseball. So. He might slide you on should. that, you that should. softball yeah. team and transition. You know I mean? Just crush take it all. That's it. Crush Diggs. There was a movie yeah. back in the day, Juana Man, about the dude who couldn't make it yeah. in the league. Yeah, yeah. And now might it's real well, life. Might as well introduce Cornell Thomas so people know who we're talking about so here, ahead, man. Get yeah, him. Cornell Thomas, author, TED Talk speaker, former college athlete. What's going on, man? What's going great on, to have you. Thanks for having me. It's always great to have my people type of larger guy than Mickey in here. My type of guy in the house, talking some positivity. Always talking some purpose. Yes. Let's go. So if you don't know the yin and the yang that makes this show go yeah. is that Nick, that Mick is eternally positive and grateful, and I am eternally uh, shitty. Cynical. <laughs> cynical. Let's call it cynical. Yeah. See, Mickey is a uh, glass half full guy, yeah. and I don't give a shit if the glass is half full or empty. I think there's piss in that glass. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's you know yeah. I'm it's a an interesting juxtaposition. I'm a yeah. realist. You know. So Christy. Tell us, how Ooh. was Dallas? It was fun. I was there. Uh, some people think it was this past weekend. It was actually last weekend. We, I was there May 5th and 6th because I just done a week in Vegas, and then we did a week in Dallas. Uh, we had four shows at Hyenas. I was headlining. I had my friends Lila Hart and Keanu Thompson and Alex Stein, who you know. They were all on the shows, too. Mm -hmm. And I had just made fun of Alex Stein because he had walked a couple of people, I think, on Friday night. And then Saturday night, last show, late show, uh, I, I start kind of riffing about Dylan Mulvaney. It wasn't even really prepared, like part of my set. And uh, I just I kind of got into a conversation with uh, an audience member. I was like, why has it been like a full year of girlhood, like Dylan Mulvaney, 365 days of girlhood? How, how has it been a full year of girlhood and still like no tits? Like, why? 
why would that not be priority number one if you're yeah. going to transition? I'm like, because I, I personally think like Dylan is here to sell uh, like facial feminization surgery and top surgery and like to usher in a new trend of androgyny for basically like women in med, but mostly like women are easier to psyop. So I think he's here to target like insecure, like young women. Like women are school, easier to psyop. Definite t-shirt idea. Yeah. <laughs> Definite t-shirt idea. All right. Yeah. Manipulate these hoes. So. So anyway, there was there. a moment. So, yeah. yeah Any, go up anything there. crazy happened? Yeah. Yes. It was crazy. This guy. I'm like, why no tits yet? And some guy yells out, "Cause he's a man." And I go, "Yeah, cause he's a man." And then some. There was a blue-haired land whale, uh, <laughs> sitting like textbook. Like like people think I planned this whole thing. People think I hired these women. No, not you. You're fine. You're perfect. You're perfect. I'm you don't have blue hair. You're perfect the way you are. You're a strong man. People need you to open pickle jars, okay? These women provided no use. They just snap in Gerard's meaty hands. Yeah. He just tries yeah. to open those pickles on the floor. Just Terrible. break the glass. Yeah, and these women were like, no, she's a woman. And I was like, oh, God. I'm like, Uh-oh. I'm like, what, is, what are you did doing Did you not here? know what show Yeah, you? I'm like, what did, what did you think you were yeah. seeing? Like, Because I think these women either had free tickets or they thought, oh, it's all, it's a woman. So yeah. it's going to be, she's going to talk about her pussy for an hour mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. but it's that's not I mean not in fairness case. maybe 15 minutes kind, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a good guess and then so that she she yells out I go oh it's all right calm down like we can have different beliefs this is America some of us can believe in reality and some of us can't sure which got like another laugh and then that pissed her off even more yeah. and this thank God I caught all of this with my phone it was in the back recording we've she, got we've got it up can we pull it she up happened to be right in the frame like in the light so so it, it was uh, it yeah. worked out. Here it is. There she, there she blows. <laughs> this isn't the right one. What are we, we doing? Go on the what are we doing? Instagram. I like this montage. What are we I doing? Love that nah, it's the Instagram one. The last post on the Instagram. What are we doing? The yeah, article had you, that, and it tricked me link? too. What are, what are we doing? It's there okay. it is. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, Poorly produced. I have something. Yeah, we get pissed. <laughs> Why no tits for Dylan? I don't understand. I, Excellent question. Because he's a man. Yeah, he could go tomorrow. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. We have one of those. I figured. You got more than one. You got more than one. You got more than one. You got the whole table. It's okay. It's like a gang. It is a gang. It is a gang. It's a gang. Binary and a bisexual can have as many labels. It was just like, uh, oh, you're not bisexual. You're just fun at parties. Uh, 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 uh. She literally can't even. She's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just like the real prince. That one of the women in this group was wearing pink S and M equipment on top of her clothes. Is <laughs> that one? I let into people just because they were Puerto Rican. <laughs> they can't all be white, right? You have to be, see yourself represented in the pamphlet, sir. You can't, right? Because you see yourself coming here. Let the trans They got her. They got her. They fucking got you. All right. So, so there's two points of this that really stick out to me, really. One is they waited till they got to the door. To start, to start getting. They also yeah. waited to finish all their fries. <laughs> <laughs> 
They were definitely <laughs> hungrier know, than they were angry. You know what? I like these people. I'm starting to, I'm starting to empathize with these people. <laughs> I get it. You know, it's a two, it's a two drink minimum. I'm going to finish my drink. Yeah, they and then I'm going to fry. Yeah. They did. Why do people like this go to, and when I say people like this, I don't mean trans people. I don't mean, I, I, I mean, I mean fat women. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 why do people who are so very obviously looking to be triggered go to comedy shows? I have no idea. It's like they're trying to somehow convince themselves. It's like they're they like the word society. police. Like, like uh, it's it's like, oh no, they said this is what it is, even yeah. if it defies logic. So I'm right. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that they. She's a she. Right. I don't think they actually like bought tickets or whatever, got free tickets and came to the show. Be like, now we wait. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that people like this represent uh, a segment of our society that they are. They lack so much self awareness and they live in a bubble. Everything around them verifies their point of view. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. in the. You know, they're never going to get canceled. Echo chamber. All our institutions very much prop up what these women think, and this is the first time, maybe ever, someone is saying the opposite of what is like the right way to think and they just can't handle it like they, they have to speak out because it's like oh my god I have to let you know that you're wrong I yeah. have to correct you they have no one that's gonna check them in the circle right like if I say dumb shit yeah. my boy's gonna be like hey that's fucking stupid yeah right yeah. so if you have no one that checks you in your circle and everybody has the same belief you're gonna have these ideas like if I go to a comedy club I'm pretty sure jokes are gonna come with that comedy club it's like going to a baseball game like why are there any touchdowns yeah these women went yeah. to the, the joke jokes that these women were expecting were like, oh, Trump is an orange bigot and uh, white men are the devil. White people, am I right? That, like, they're <laughs> expecting basically all the same tired shit that's sure. on SNL, that's on every late night comedy show. Uh, so know. the other side of it, from a comics perspective, is when I hear you, they, you know, they they kind of you had your interaction with them, and you're going, you're you know, you're like, yeah, you know, we're all in America, it's all right, it's all right now. In my mind, that's a comic making a decision: do I go all in or do I move on? That's just stalling for me to be like, all right, I'm oh yeah. Go. And the fact is, you went to move on. You were like, I'm not going to make this about them, and you went back to your set. Mm -hmm. So it's not even it's about the awareness for them, and it, they that girl got a little taste, a little taste of attention, and she was like, that's it. I'm addicted to this. I'm going to make this whole fucking show about me. Mm -hmm. This whole show is about us, not about yeah. the comic. If it were me up there, and they started doing that stuff, I couldn't... I, yeah, and they, they just feel righteous. I could... Yeah, it's they this feel full, fucking righteous in, like, this, like, whatever this shit is. This, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's this woke so, bullshit where it's yeah. like, we, we're, you know... We're, def we're redefining everything. It's a faux moral high ground. They think they've got the moral yes. high ground. Yeah. But I'm telling you, they she, I re and I don't know this for a fact, this is just my thought, she is a narcissist. Everything about her is peacocking. You know exactly who she yeah. is just by looking at her. And when she got that little taste of attention, she had she was going right. to do everything yeah. that she can to make the show and, about her. And you are, you're right, Gerard, because I'm up there. You're thinking everything's going. I was like trying to finish my joke. I was like, no, don't make it about them. They had the one outburst. She's a woman. I'm like, okay, they seem to be not saying anything else. I'm going to keep going with my set. Mm -hmm. But then when she said, fuck you, transphobe, then I was like, okay, I'm going to go a little bit harder on you. But at the same time, you're also thinking like these women that are much bigger than me could rush the stage they could throw something at me they could throw a drink at me or like the people sitting around them so mm. like you're thinking of that too like what would I do like wh where would I go and then you should start swinging the fucking well, uh, luckily, mic stand luckily for you we have a guy who can tell you exactly what to do <laughs> yeah you start <laughs> swinging that nice uh, what do they call mic stand the mic around stand? yeah just like, yeah that's gonna yeah just start just start 
swinging it. Just oh own God. the own your space, girl. They just they own that space. That's your that's your area. No, no, no. They step in, they're getting yeah. whacked. Yeah, you you could like Mickey likes to say, you could probably exhaust hunt them pretty good. Just yeah. run around once or twice. Well, there was a man <laughs> in the front row. They'll just, they'll just lay down. There was a man in the front row who actually it was fucking hilarious, and it's part of a lo- a longer clip that I'm releasing today. He was like, I've actually been on safari. If there are rhinos chasing you, you have to run side to side. So he was right, telling zigzag. me zigzag. He said if they were gonna like rush the stage, just zigzag. And That's I was great. dying. Yeah, you know, and when I saw it was hyenas, I was like, of course it's hyenas. Like, I, I love like, that club. I like hyenas, but that. So I have trouble in. Oh, see, I, I, it took me a second. I was like, no, I thought they were rhinos. So, yeah, and I mean, I'm an improv guy, but the. Uh, <laughs> It's very interesting. In red states, you have these blue cities, and I and they try so hard. It's a try so hard community, so bad. When I was in Greenville, there were um, what do they call the Black Israelites, the guys that come out. Have you ever seen these guys? They're in New York. They're they're oh they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But in New York, they get ignored mostly, right? Because you don't know what to do with them. You're like, ah. In Greenville, (laughs) they come up and thank these people. Thank you. You're doing such great work. And I sit here and I go, you fucking, you're fucking pathetic. What are you doing, man? This is insanity. So like, they're Asheville, the worst. Pockets of Dallas. So there's like, they go out of their way so hard to try to buck the, I guess, what they think is the stereotype of being like a red state white person. Oh wow. And that pocket of Dallas specifically is. Oh, so they don't want to seem like disrespectful. Respectful or racist, but they, to the they go so. Is that what you mean? They they overcorrect so far that they're remarkably disrespectful and racist and patronizing and condescending. They just have no concept of what it's like to be a normal human being. Like I huh. think what you're saying is like these were Democrat like liberal women living in a red state, so they feel like they've got to like take up. You know, they've got to one hundred percent speak uh, out. Yeah, and right. in those like red states, these blue cities, they're like they're so obnoxiously blue, yeah. and it's it it, there, it becomes their entire personality. Like we know people that are Republicans. We know people that are Democrats, no people that are, but you're Cornell, you're Mickey, you're you're a fighter, you're yeah. you know you're you whatever you have supersedes your political identity. In that in those areas, it doesn't. It's, it's their like whole I'm one of the good guys, yeah. and everybody else is a bad guy, and it's 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 a horrible thing mm-hmm. for a comedy show in particular because the whole point of a comedy show and Dave Chappelle's run into this and Wanda Sykes who I disagree with politically about everything mm-hmm. ran into this in Red Bank there was a show in Red Bank where guys walked out on Wanda Sykes and wow. she was you know wait in, where's Red Bank? Red Bank, New Jersey okay. in like in a red area of New Jersey people walked out and wow. Wanda Sykes was like why were you even at my show? What what comedy did you think yeah. you came for here? You know, and she's a household name. Like with, with me, nobody knows who the fuck I am. But like Wanda Sykes, it's like you yeah, know yeah. what you're like. What are you? But also the same thing is like shut the fuck up and get through the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like get through the. It's not about you, man. Mm. Get through the show. The whole point of comedy is at some point. Everybody in the room is going to get it. We're all going to survive. And that connective tissue is what brings us closer together. Comedy connects across all different identities because at the end of the day, this is that lived experience. We're all going to die. Yeah. We're all dealing with shit, and your shit may be different than his shit, but it's still shit. Yeah, it's like, how dare you correct somebody who's up there? Like, we don't have sponsors. I don't even have a fucking agent or a manager. I don't have, I'm not like sponsored by Big Pharma or BlackRock. I don't get a commercial break when shit goes down. I'm it's, I'm a person up there with a microphone and my lived experiences. It's like, you're going to correct me? Like, yeah. you fucking paid. Like, especially with stand-up comedy, it's like, you literally paid to hear someone else's opinions. Yep, yep. And you're going to still correct the, the, the fellow audience members and the comedians. It's like, dude, you you think you must think you're hot shit because that's I would never have the balls to to do that. Yeah, 
like it's also just you know who, who do you think you are type of a situation like sit down and shut up nobody cares what you have to say I think you said it great when you said we're in America like you can have your own opinion I don't understand where it happened where we can't disagree on shit and now all of a sudden you're one of these trigger words like once you say someone's a racist a transfer whatever the conversation's over there's yeah. no more dialogue it's absolutely over and people throw that shit out like it's like you're calling someone their first name big time right so mm, it's just that's ama- it's amazing to me well race is so triggering we've talked about this before on the podcast I, I did the show uh, PBD podcast it was a guy Sammy Gravano very famous gangster and he's explaining uh, murders he's explaining how he's killed 18 people and he's going into detail about each murder and one of them he recalls a story in jail and he used colorful jail language hard colorful R colorful jail, jail hard, language I'm gonna say that from R. now on hard R and it wasn't neighbor okay like it was started with N ended with R and it, yeah so and the show like shut down we're like what are we supposed to do do we, yeah. do we address it do we not address it and he powers on and he does it again and you could like feel the room be like and the comments you could see the comments go scroll 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 like it's all anybody talked about and we talked about it after the show we're like do we do we take it down what do we do and it dawned on me later that night bro this dude was talking about murdering people not not even a a thought whether or not we should take this down <laughs> not even a thought whether or not we were like wow this is bad we're, if anything I was like wow this grandpa's pretty cool like <laughs> this dude's a cool dude you know wow tell me more about how you you kidnapped him and then you know interrogated him for information before you murdered him was it on YouTube yeah yeah it's on okay, YouTube okay yeah cause you do have to worry about somebody reporting you for that yeah I was a I was, I was second chair on the podcast I don't give a shit yeah. the, uh, this one Watch yourself. Oh, I bet. So, <laughs> I'm watching it. I haven't used any colorful prison language. There's still time. Uh, but we talked about it, and it, and, I, and it literally dawned on me, like, being a racist yep. is far worse in our culture than being perceived as a racist mm-hmm. is far worse in our culture than being a murderer. Mm-hmm. That's a wild thing. I feel like those insults carry zero weight in 2023. I think it takes nothing to be called a racist, a transphobe, a homophobe. Like, it's, you have, it's meaningless. You have how many agents, managers, and sponsors? Zero. Yeah. Maybe it has a little bit of weight. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. I guess I just I've never had any to lose. So (laughs) that's what's that's that's true freedom. That's true freedom. It really is. The the but you are oddly enough seem to be getting some seriously positive press out of this. When it happened, did you know that it was going to become the big national news that it was? I thought it would be something in in like my sort of small fan fandom you know circles. Uh, I thought maybe like five hundred thousand views or something on Twitter like I didn't see and but then Fox reached out oh can we use your footage and then can we get a comment then it was Daily Mail then it was the New York Post and I love the New York Post because they put in a gratuitous photo of me in my bathing suit nice. and I was like yay they're making me clickbait <laughs> this is amazing and they had the best caption like with the, it was because I had just come from Vegas and I'm not I don't normally like post thirst traps but I was like we're in Vegas why not and it was like sort of like a bachelorette party and it was like the photo of me in my bathing suit underneath like mayor says that by sexual isn't real that they're just fun at parties and it was just like the perfect combination of like photo and caption I'm like oh I love the New York Post but then it was like Outkick and then it was Radar and then it was it was like every single outlet I was like oh my don't god don't be afraid to throw like any of these up at any time Omri just a little oh, yeah, don't be yeah, afraid to throw any great. of them up. I just thought this was so funny because you see how they you know like they when there's actual models and like 
you know what I mean, like very hot women in the news, and I just like they'll always be the first to be like, hey, this is. And by the way, this is how they look in a bathing suit. Totally yeah. irrelevant to the story, but <laughs> the po- posts one thirst trap national yeah. news the next I love day. The New York Post. Yeah, I was just so shocked because I'm like, this was a very kind of typical heckler moment that I think most comedians go through something like this, maybe like once a year at least if you're if you're pushing it enough. Uh, but I think it speaks to how everybody feels, you know, about the trans shit being shut so this, down our throat. So this happened two weeks ago, you said? Yeah, uh, May 6th. And when did it start to, like, pick up and, uh, and So I came back the Monday, did my show, and then I, I think I got my clip together and posted it actually the following Thursday. So then it went viral, like, Thursday into Friday. Of this uh, week? Of this week, okay. yeah. Okay. All right. Have so you gotten what's what's going on with the whirlwind? Like where where are you where are you headed next? I what was on taking? I was on Newsmax um actually on Friday and I'm I'm going back on Newsmax today to do a different show and I might go back again like later in the week maybe Jim and Sam I think on Wednesday. So nice. Yeah, a couple of things. Nice. Yeah. That's fun. Has it been more supportive of have you gotten more vitriol? Way more supportive than than negative. I gain I mean, I went from like I think I gained like 21,000 Twitter followers wow. just from this. And you you, are, you well your Twitter's already great. Yeah, it's, yeah, I was just shocked and uh the, the 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 negative comments are really funny because people think like oh I planned it I hired these women ooh a plant that some people think I'm a federal agent <laughs> oh shit Fed we got we got oh patriot we got patriot front like, in the building if I'm a, I was like if I'm a Fed where's my wardrobe budget okay like let me <laughs> you're, sta- you're standing next to a boog boy you're done oh my god it's really <laughs> funny though but it is there is like no freedom than other than being independent like what are people gonna get me fired from Compound Media good luck I'd like to see you try. But it's like, I feel like I've already lost so much from being like over over the years. Like I've been doing comedy 13 years. And mm-hmm. when I started, I was hosting a monthly show at the Stonewall Inn. And I was very liberal and a Democrat. And I lived in Brooklyn. I was like classic female stand-up comedian. Hated my dad. The whole works, you know. And then over the years, just like became kind of red-pilled, started leaning more libertarian. It was an out-Trump voter. Then that lost me a lot of, you know, friends, not family, but like, you know, fans, mostly acquaintances, mostly like fellow comedians, people who I thought my friends were in the city. I I literally know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then saying shit like, well, remember the whole like Me Too thing was happening? And Mm -hmm. you'd start to hear reports of these women. I got raped. I got raped. I'm like, it just sounds like you make bad choices. It sounds like you just got drunk and like passed out in a basement it doesn't sound like all men are predators and then i tweeted out like uh if you have time to get raped you're not doing enough spots which the female community did not take kindly to but it's how i feel i'm like if you (laughs) have to be busier so you're not in these situations that was probably the first moment where i was like i think i'm gonna lose a lot of friends in this business and then voting for trump and then january 6th so it was like there were there's been many waves of, of people not liking me what what was your kind of red pill moment? You were like you said, Brooklyn liberal comic, stereotypical, and then it know. was Trump. I didn't vote for Trump first in the first election. I think uh, I voted for Jill Stein, and then something just clicked. Like hearing him say like fake news, fake news, and then I was like, oh my god, it's all propaganda. Like I just put it. Mm. And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, oh my god, this is all planned. Like this is wild. I just started like seeing the light on so many things yeah I, I i don't i don't really know how anybody you know one of the things the funniest part about new york well i moved i moved out of new york did new york comedy for a long time went down to nashville and then down to florida but one of you talk about schadenfreude one of the funniest things that i saw Cornell, do you know what schadenfreude is 
No. Schadenfreude's favorite word. It's my favorite word in the world. Yeah, what? what it's Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. The Nazis yeah. used to shout it. Uh, <laughs> the, the shout at Freud. <laughs> no, well, the, the Nazis definitely like Schadenfreude. <laughs> it's a German word for deriving joy from somebody else's pain. Gotcha. It's somebody else's misfortune, really. It's not like, you know, for hurting people. It's mm-hmm. more like, uh, like someone cuts somebody you off. Somebody like, cuts you off, then hits a uh, pothole, and you just go by like, yeah, that's yeah, Schadenfreude. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So all these New York comics who have been carrying water night after night on every microphone in New York for years promoting socialism, legit socialist policies. COVID hits and they support everything the government said, which was grotesque to me in from the beginning because our job is to speak truth to power. You're not, you're not supposed to support power. You're supposed to hold power's feet to the fire. That's like yeah. what we do. Otherwise, you're being a cornball. You know, like you're like, who, who, you know. You're being like a teacher's pet. You're, you're being like a hall monitor. Yeah, you're exactly like, nobody right. needs you to be on stage then. Don't that's give the your perfect opinion. way to put it. You're a teacher's pet. That's perfect. And then, COVID kept going and it kept going and they couldn't do shows and they could and these guys are going to marches in the morning at 500,000 people but they can't do a comedy show at night because you know six feet and only 20 people so then seeing these people start turning and like de Blasio I voted for you how are you doing this I can't pay my rent and I'm just sitting there in Florida like (laughs) good for you because I was like fuck this I'm not performing anywhere that requires a vaccine because when de Blasio like threw that down he was like you can't you know no plays no anything unless you're vaccinated I'm like fuck it I'm just I guess I just won't perform in New York City again I guess I'll just like do road gigs and I was totally fine with that and I was shocked at how few comedians uh, also stated that. I was like, oh, everyone's just out for themselves. And then I, I learned eventually, oh, everyone just has a fake vaccine card. But I'm like, I'm not going to do that because it's about the principle for me. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to be in the fucking gulag unless somebody stands I up a little bit. More. So We went on tour. Carol Ann Miljavik and I went on tour while that was happening. And we played Midwest rooms. And they wanted to require a vaccine card to get in. And Carol Ann, to her credit... Said no, we're not doing that. I'm not doing that. And I, you know, I'm sitting here going. Half of my set is talking about doing, you know, coke off of a fucking public bathroom. I'm not going to tell somebody they got to get medicated to come watch my set. Right, like that's right. I'm not, my level, my hypocrisy, and you know, has has limits. Yeah, but I was shocked. I was the first person to come out and say I'm not doing this. And then eventually, like, I was happy. Like Jim Brewer kind of said the same Brewer's thing. Brewer's a beast. And but like really not very many others. Tyler Fisher, that might have been it though. Our our agency dropped us. Wow. Now they said it was for different reasons, obviously, but it the timing of it was very suspicious. Yeah. And it's like we're still doing the shows. We're still making you money. We're just not forcing people to show a card to get into a comedy show. Yeah. It was very manipulative. And I also lost my job. Like I was working in corporate media. Like I had that job for like six years and doing comedy. I've been doing comedy thirteen, had this job like six years, and then it was like, Oh, you gotta be vaccinated to get back into the building. I was like, Well, I I guess I'm done then and uh, they they're like, We're gonna consider you voluntarily resigned, even mm. though they straight up fired me. No health insurance, no yeah. anything. Uh, I couldn't even get unemployment. The, the guy who came out better than anybody else on this, I feel like, is Dana White because he let you guys make your own decisions, do what you want to do, and and you know I think he handled it better than probably any major CEO or, or anybody in entertainment for sure. What was the discussions with you guys when you were when that was all happening? Was there internal discussions about? Was it? Did you feel pressured at all to have to do that the way the football players did? No, no. I mean, they I, totally different. Dana didn't make us do anything. And it, had he, I probably would have had. I probably would have got it, mm. you know. But I'm really happy I didn't, and I'm happy that he didn't, you know, just fall in line with that bullshit. 
you know, I have, I have uh, several members of my family who's who are having like effects from the fucking jab. Really? Several. And they're several. One, Both they, sides of my family. Yeah, people are people are fucked up from that shit. And they they one hundred percent know that it's coming from that. Or that's just where they suspect. It's pretty. It's pretty fucking clear. Wow. It's like there you you can't find as much like like documentation on it. You know, but it's it's pretty. It's There's pretty so obvious. much propaganda out there to convince people that their vaccine side effects are because of other shit. Long yeah. COVID. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's long COVID. long COVID. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're in the education space. You're in the yes, speaking sir. space. I would imagine that yeah. that you know the. Are you vaccinated? You're welcome no. to tell us or not. No, I'm not. Really? No, I'm not. I imagine the pressure must have been very. He's black. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. The black people aren't getting black, vaccinated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't do that. We learn from Tuskegee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They never forget that shit. If anybody doesn't know what he's talking about google tuskegee syphilis experiment Please. and my god almighty that's yeah. horrific that happened yeah. here like 60 years ago horrific like that just like, happened yeah just happened yeah. Yeah. yeah the worst part is in order to study the effects of syphilis over 50 years in an unvaccinated community you have to give the community syphilis yeah they gave so for people that and don't not, know yeah. why couldn't they have just done this them. study in las vegas but they wouldn't have done anything to anybody <laughs> right uh, yeah, yeah right just go yeah. there we need a control group yeah. we need a control yeah. group yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's horrific and, and i mean and that's my thing my big takeaway whether you're a trump supporter democrat yeah. i don't really care if you trust our government at all you're not paying attention to anything this whole idea of trust the science i worked in pharma sales i was like you should not do that that's like literally the opposite of what you should do ever do not trust the science that's insane question the science oh people don't read you know like people don't research they just bro science shit or they do what their team tells them to do Mm -hmm. so you do what your team tells you to do you don't research anything because if mickey votes this way and mickey's my boy then i'm gonna vote the same way instead of doing the research so Mm -hmm. for me it was a no-brainer not to get it and i almost got stuck in Dubai for like 80 days. I was supposed to go to Dubai the week after all this shit kicked off. Dubai had such a strict lockdown, you could not leave anywhere. So one of my friends was there for 60 days in a hotel. So imagine 80 days, like father of two. Did he have to pay for that? Yeah. In uh, Dubai? In Dubai. Oof. So I'm like, expensive. I'm like, bro, I'm good. Oof. Like, so for, uh, it wasn't like, I don't care if I lose, I don't lose a friend from this shit. Mm-hmm. I lose an associate. Yeah. You find out who your friends and your associates yeah. are. I'm right. losing a family member. I'm losing someone that really doesn't care about me that much. Interesting. Right? So I don't look at it like, I don't, I'm not swayed towards what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. I do what I do and I think the best for my family and myself. Well, like Chrissy said, is that, I feel like that is harder while women are definitely definitely easier to manipulate i feel like that's a tough thing in the black community it seems like the black community itself wants solidarity within the community and we're all doing this we're in this together and as soon as you step out of line with what they're looking to do it's programming yeah it's tough it's programming it's it's hundreds and hundreds of years of programming where we all have to think the same thing we all have to do the same thing i remember being in high school and people saying like if you listen to rock music you're white Mm. right if you're articulate now you sound white yeah. Like, think about that alone. Like, so if you're saying someone that sounds articulate is white, then what are we supposed to sound like? Don't be that. Right? Yeah. It's just all yeah. that. Like, my mom, like, raised us in, like, our minds so much different. Yeah. Where I didn't give a shit. Like, I had a, one of my best friends in growing up. He skateboarded. Everybody used to call him an Oreo cookie because he skateboarded. I remember them going after Lil Wayne for that. Some people were like, Lil Wayne's a cornball. Yeah, yeah. He skates. Because he skates. Like, yeah. 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 I, that's but now half of the skaters you see are black dudes. Like skating is old universal. Like yeah. where you're rolling on a board with wheels. Yeah. Fucking, it's, it's, you know what I mean? How's that make you a cop? Yeah. 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 It's so Stupid. true. So Chrissy, we know you got to get out of here. Um, what's next for you? 
What do you think? You think that this is going to be something that that is going to help propel you to the top? Do you want to put this behind? Do you want to address it? Um, propel. I don't know. I uh, I'd, I'd rather have uh, like nice a, ring. Like, by oh, the way. thank you. I'm engaged. Congrats. I'm betrothed. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Is it to a guy, a girl? Yeah, or, yeah. The old, are they sure? The old-fashioned way <laughs> yeah. to a man. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I don't even care about ways. being like whatever famous. Like, it's I'd so rather have. A, <laughs> I'd rather have like a few thousand like ride or die hardcore fans than than. Do you know what I mean? Have like a million. One hundred percent. Like, yeah. I want to have enough people to like fill a room in a few major cities. A couple times, I'm happy with that. Totally I mean, in, in my mind, I've already made it because I'm surviving without a day job. That's all I wanted. You're a I, national headline. I didn't like, you know, aim very high. I guess with my goals, but uh, I'm already happy in that respect. I would like to see if if other comedians feel this way. To just like, like what do you have to lose? Like, just totally. fucking say what you feel, and if it's funny, clip it, put it on the internet, see if people agree with you. You can't control what people laugh at, and that's the true way to take the temperature of of the country is by go to a comedy club see what people are laughing at you can't go by what people are posting on social media Mm -hmm. you can't even really go by how people are voting or how they act at their school or job it's like see what people are voting because that is a visceral response you can't control that you can't guilt somebody into that and also like yeah see who people are dating like they like us to think oh you know you you have to date a a trans person or else you're a transphobe it's like yeah well that's not really going to work out for most people so yeah I remember Lena Dunham back in the day (laughs) was talking about uh, Odell Beckham hates uh, hates fat people because he won't Date me, and it's yeah, like, it's like uh, dude. okay. Yeah. So that's so that's it. That so this whole thing has just been one big ruse <laughs> right. to get Odell Lena, to, go, to fuck Lena, ugly people. Go, go date yeah. a broke man if that's like <laughs> yeah. if that's your opinion. Uh, I'm doing a, my next show is going to be at Tiff's in Morris Plains on July 8th. That's in Jersey, and oh, then shit. I got yeah, it's our neck of the woods. Yeah, oh, so sweet, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll get you. I'll get you guys uh, comps if you want to come, and then I'll be in Richmond, Virginia, August 9th, and Houston at the Secret Group, August 11th. Very cool, and you can check out the wet spot where and when uh compound media actually today 7 p.m eastern uh at compoundmedia.com yeah after you get done uh, checking out gas digital for the day you had to head on over to compound check out the wet spot chrissy anything else before you go uh yeah the youtube um, channel i have a show called simpcast sundays at 9 p.m eastern and also i do like one-on-one interviews like i'm interviewing dr peter mccullough actually on oh sick wednesday at 3 p.m eastern that's gonna be cool yeah. before uh, go ahead before you go real quick i we just have a question from the chat for Ooh. you uh this one's coming from ricky ricardo he is asking if you're gonna vote for trump again this time uh probably yeah unless i get a convincing argument not to i just like him so he's funny yeah. he's, he's very funny but yeah. um yeah, i don't know most it, it we don't have great options no our options it's present. often be- like a between a shit and a fart yeah yeah well the options I mean, aren't always yeah fucking, think, think about this we just had the nfl draft oh, i can tell you everything go. later yeah. Bye, thank you thank oh, you so it's much hot. it's so hot in here yeah, yeah you know, hugs. thanks you know. for coming Wait, in can we do a selfie Best real quick yeah, i mean we're live but you know we do it live Appreciate it. All right, killed it. Bye, thank you, guys. Later, Chris. Thank you. Uh, That was great, man. But yeah, think about like what we know about the first round draft pick for all your favorite teams. We know everything about this guy. We know where he grew up. We know what is you know what is ninth grade. I know nothing about the presidents outside of 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 talking points. We have, I, I we gotta completely redo the system. But also. There are people that know this, that are very, very smart. The system is the way it is for a reason. Mm-hmm. And when you, people start, really smart people do really dumb things for a long time. It's 
most likely because they're looking to do those dumb things on purpose. Yeah. They're not dumb. Yeah. They're manipulative. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at. As you far have as to look at it and say, well, why are we only given a choice of two for everything? Right? Like, back when it was like Big Mac and Whopper, yeah. Pepsi and Coke, right? Democrat, Republican. If you do the history, back in the days in the 60s, Democrats were the ones that, that were supporting the Ku Klux Klan. Sure. Right? It's always going to flip over. So that's why when people, like, if I know a government is corrupt, why would I give a fuck of, of who I'm going to vote for? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like Mickey was just saying, like, do I want to be shot in the face or lit on fire? It's the same stuff, right? So my main thing is right and wrong. I can tell you what's right and what's wrong. Targeting our kids is wrong. Right, mm. trying to put shit in our school system to make our kids worker bees or not realize that there's a man and a woman. That's that's wrong. Sure. I don't get, like get exposing them. Like so, I'm at my son's soccer game. He's freaking nine, and my wife and the moms were sitting there, and there's this book they're trying to push into the library, and it's like. It looks like 12-year-olds having sex. It's like teaching kids how to, like, give blowjobs and all this other stuff. Come on. I, I swear to you. I'll, like, I'll swear to you. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, for someone not to say, like, okay, this is wrong, right? It doesn't matter if you're black, white, left, right, whatever. Yeah. This is wrong. We shouldn't target our kids with that. Yep. That should be a problem. And if you don't have a problem with that, then we have an issue. Well, this circles back to what you said before about doing the actual research. So in Florida, there's this big issue about CRT, critical race theory. And it's being presented as you know, a whitewashing of history that you don't want people to know what's happening. But what it's critical race theory, I'm sure you know, actually is, is putting things through a lens of angels and demons, right and wrong, victim and oppressor. It's not saying, hey, this is a book right here. It's saying, hey, this is a book with a white cover, therefore it's bad. Mm-hmm. So it's that second part that's that's wrong. Now, that's a tool for manipulation. It comes from communism. It comes from the Frankfurt School. And what's being done is the weaponizing of empathy, where you have somebody that, last thing in the world I want to be is a racist. So they'll put something in there about race, and then they'll put something in there with the gender theory, queer theory, and it's the guy the guy giving a blowjob, and you're like, yo, this book can't go in. Oh, it's because you're a racist. So now you they, they give the Kafka trap of either you're for the book, and you're for equality, or... Do you know what a Kafka trap is? Uh, no. Because Gerard uses a lot of these, like, yeah. it, like Gerard words. Ger- German, now, listen, a lot of German shit. Listen to this. This motherfucker. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, like, he's a big yeah, dude. Right? I'm trying to worry about yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I feel like, you. I'm I feel like, you. What the? This is no, a very important podcast. You must this? listen to this podcast. If you do not listen to this nine, podcast, nine, nine, you will not be able to survive in the coming of the World Economic Forum. Nine. So listen, this is something you need to know about Gerard. Yeah. Um, his father, great man, uh-huh. Gerard Sr. Hates blacks. Would, would, would <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, duh. I mean, you yeah. can see. You know, Apple doesn't fall far. But, but it was a different time. He would he would only allow Gerard and his uh, sisters to read the dictionary while on the toilet. Oh, so he he knows Schadenfreude and Kafka yeah, yeah. traps. And yeah, I, I'm constantly like, yeah. what 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 the fuck does that mean? And it was just the German dictionary. It, was, it yeah, wasn't like it, it wasn't that's like it. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. it. That's yeah, it. that's it. I, I got really into the the, the Anglo-Saxon words. Not so much the Latin words. No. The, uh, the my, my take on the the critical race theory is this: When I was in North, I was playing basketball in North Dakota. There was a, a girl there from France. She had a history book. History book was like thousands of pages. Mm-hmm. It wasn't broken down into Black history, you know, White history, Latin, whatever. It's just history. Sure. So I'm an American. I was born in America. My mom and my dad were born in America. So were their ancestors, right? Mm-hmm. So why do we have Black history, this history, why does it just make it fucking history? Yeah. Like, this is a part, mm. like, 
Every single country has its stay and pass. Everybody has, we know, all governments are corrupt. We understand that. Mm-hmm. So don't try to break it down like, okay, well, these people are wrong. No, this is just part of our history. It's fucked up. Right? We never talk about Native Americans, right? Yeah, do like you we, think we, we're getting the real history from anywhere? Or is it all going to be kind of, like, for lack of a better word, like whitewashed, like cleaned over, where it's, you know what I mean? It, the, it's it's, it's, it's written by the victors. It's a yeah. question. History is written by the yeah, victors. Yeah. So it's always going to be how much can you take it yeah. in a. And isn't it funny that every war that's ever been fought, the good guys won? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. The good guys yeah, the, always won. Well, I think the problem is we're just so what lazy luck? that we don't want to go back and tell the true story. So we've been. We've had so much wool over our eyes for so long. They're like, oh, man, to go back and tell you kind of like facts now. Right. It's not worth like us going through all these books. Like we're learning the same shit that like our parents learned. Yeah. It's a very different world. Like it's 2023 See, now. They have cell phones. We're learning the same. We're, le- we're learning that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Like, are you serious yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, Like, come yeah. on now. Well, see, the one thing I'll disagree with you on is I don't think it's laziness. I do think it's manipulation. I think they know exactly what they're teaching us, and they're doing it on mm-hmm. purpose. I think they do worker bees, like you said. You know, the fact that we're even taught what to think as opposed to how to think is a very, very big yeah. deal. What do you? Yes, yeah, straight up. Yeah. That's a tremendous one right there. Yeah, yeah. What big. to think versus how to think. I mean, think about it. How do you how do you graduate? How do you graduate high school in America? You just show up every day. Memorize. Don't don't question authority. Yes. You re- you repeat what they say. No. Yeah, you become a fucking you worker. Regurgitate bee. information. Right. Yes. And the same and guess what? College is the same shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. College, you give me a test from college right now, yep. there's no way I'm passing it. I right. just memorize, crunch, 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 then I spit it all out, forget it, yep. and then I go about my day. Yeah, mm-hmm. to your point, I can actually remember in history, in AP history when I was in high school, I, you know, we did something about the discovering of, a, of the Americas, mm-hmm. and I got it wrong on a test because I didn't put Columbus. I put the Vikings in Newfoundland like 500 years yep. before. They gave me, they gave it wrong. Yeah. And I go to the teacher, I was like, I feel like I'm right. I feel like I'm right about this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, they referred back to the textbook. That referring to authority is something that I didn't realize I was being indoctrinated into until really COVID really, really put that on front street where it's like, are you a doctor? Mm-hmm. Why does your opinion even matter? Are you a doctor? Mm. What's your... Whoa. Well, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. But also, you know, I don't know. I've been a human for 36 years. I feel yeah. like I'm a human. I feel like I know what, you know, humanity is. Yeah. I, I, I've been a roofer. I've worked in construction. And I've had a mask on my face. Mm. And then when I've taken the mask off, there's been drywall all over me. And I feel like if drywall can get through the mask... A virus might be able to. I feel like it may be, right? And then the idea of, like, I've had vaccines. Every every one of us, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm anti-vaccine. I have to get every month for it somehow to work. And one that you just whip up real fucking quick yes. during the middle of a, of a crisis. Well, that's it, too. When when they And, said, and that was my big trepidation, too. I'm like, mm, I'm, I'm definitely going to let some other motherfuckers yeah. get that shit first. Yeah. yeah. Like you grow like, tail first. They, you grow tail first. And, see what yeah, yeah. And they, and they were like, when uh, when Trump was in there, all everyone was like, we're not getting Trump vaccine. I will die and then, before I take Then it. they switched, and they're like, get our vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's whoa. Shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're, it's fucking everything stupid. Everything is meant to divide. Right, because us together is a problem for the powers that be. Right, mm-hmm. so it's all meant to divide. And when the, all the COVID shit came out, my mom's been a nurse for fifty years. Right, mm-hmm. she said, "Baby, she goes, they will never give you a free cure, ever. Mm-hmm. They're never gonna give you a free cure, mm-hmm. ever. Wow. Right. Think about the history wow. of our time. When have they said, hey, you know what? Here, take this. Now you have yeah. professional athletes dying. You have, a, but they're they're all saying it's something different. Mm-hmm. Now, 
as a, a no. You're not even allowed to question it. You can't question it. If you ask the yeah. question, they accuse you. But of they won't true. have me. Yeah, it's insensitive. Black, they won't How have me as a black man on the news saying this, right? Because no. that doesn't fit the narrative. Correct. I've got to fit the narrative. Like I'm an articulate brown skin, very chocolate and delicious dude. They can't <laughs> have me on the news saying these things sure. because I'm supposed to think a certain way. Yeah. All the black conservatives were called Uncle Tom's, even mm-hmm. though actually Uncle Tom was a hero, right? But like that's the narrative that they put out. So us having this conversation called Uncle Tom's by white liberals on Twitter yeah. specifically. Yes. I mean, watch what happened with you know. Ain't God forbid you ever bring up Thomas Sowell at all, and yeah. that's like watch the Twitter replies. Watch to bring up Clarence Thomas. Do you watch, watch, do you watch the Twitter. Do you watch? Do you guys watch the news? I don't. I've watched the news in ten years. I do. I do. I don't. And the only. But it's because I, I hate myself though. Okay. So that's, yeah, that. it's like a yeah. yeah. It's different. Yeah. That's very different. Like. It's like instead of cutting himself, he just like watches the news. Sometimes I tweet myself just to see, watch it bleed. (laughs) I I don't watch it just because I started seeing the script years and years ago, like right before our kids were born. Like I just started seeing the script, right? Mm. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, I'm going to wake up and see murder, murder, death, death, division, division, division at the end of the newscast. Like, and here's Molly, the burping cat, right? Like they try to like put something cool at the end. Yeah. And you're just like, fuck Molly. Like you just talk about murder. (laughs) Like yes. Three hours. Correct. Right. So it's like I don't I don't watch because I don't want to set my day to it. Let, let me ask you, talking about that indoctrination and and from the from a black perspective, George Floyd was so visceral. Mm-hmm. Why do you think? Is it the news? You know, why do you think the quote unquote black community? I don't want to talk about people as a monolith, but just for the sake of yep. time identify with a man that they've never seen in a place they've never gone more than a person of a different color who lives in the same neighborhood, goes to the same school, you know, lives the same experience. My, my best friends on my football team, we lived a very similar experience, but they don't feel like they're as close to me as they were to say like a George Floyd, sure. they, you know, or, or when Obama came out and talked about Trayvon Martin, that could have been my mm-hmm. son. Well, it, it, you don't have a son, mm-hmm. it, you know, so I, why, why does that I, I don't know how to tie what I'm saying know eloquently. You, mean, you know, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why is there such a connection, right, between that community? Why is the connection? Why is the connection bigger to yeah. somebody they don't know? It's history, right? So, mm-hmm. like, black and white is polarizing. If I was an alien that came to America, I wouldn't think there was any other races. I'm like, there's no, there's no Latins here, right? There's no Mexicans. Sure. It's just black and white. Yep. Because yep. that's the most polarizing thing. Now, you can't tell me at some point in time a black officer didn't like never shot a black person or a white officer never shot a shot a white person mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. so they just put out what's polarizing so immediately if you're an older head you're thinking about Emmett Till right like you know he got sure beaten to death for for a white woman saying that he said something to her right mm-hmm. so you go back into all this history now you have to understand something I grew up in Passaic New Jersey I moved from Passaic New Jersey which is a city to Rockaway New Jersey which is a suburb mm-hmm. back then we had Black History Day so I sat down there in the front of the row watching an old black and white VHS of black people being bit by German shepherds and sprayed by water hoses mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. I have no connection to them outside of our complexion but it makes you feel some sort of way they like like, they don't empower young brown kids that move to the suburbs, right? They're not saying, well, these are your heroes. They're saying, well, you know what? You guys came over in slave ships, mm-hmm. and, like, you guys have always been lesser than us. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have this almost chip on your shoulder if you don't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, oh, they did it again. And the media is great at putting 24-7 around-the-clock footage. Sure. And you stop asking questions like, well, how can an officer... 
with his knee, like, on, why, why would the officer have his knee on his neck for seven minutes while he's being filmed yep. on camera? Why are the officers loading him into the ambulance? Yeah. Right? Which I've never seen before in my life. That's what mm -hmm. EMTs do, right? Mm -hmm. My father's a cop. My oldest brother was a cop. So... For me, I was in a tricky situation if I was a conformist because I'm supposed to hate cops now, right? It's like, I don't hate cops. Some of my best friends I train with are cops. My brother and my fa family, father are both cops. So mm. it's like, it, it, like you said to your point you were saying before, you kind of get torn, like pulled in different directions. Like, are you loyal to us, right? I'm loyal to common sense and I'm loyal to right and wrong, right? That dude, I don't care what George Floyd did, right? That dude having his knee on his neck that's wrong, yeah. right? That's just, but, but that goes back to a deeper issue. We have to teach cops. We have to train cops better. Sure. Right? Like, so we never got to that. We just got to white man, black guy. Totally. And that's all, that's all you need to do in our society right now. And, and to that point, one of the things that I always found very interesting um, is how that moment, and Colin, you saw it with Colin Kaepernick, you see it yep. with these, it gets somehow co-opted into this progressive communist central centralization movement and there's not like when i saw the derek chauvin was the cop's name doing that yeah you saw a white guy and a black guy but really what i saw was the state killing a citizen because mm -hmm. that's what it was it's this an apparatus of the state killing a citizen and i don't think the state should ever have the right to kill a yep. citizen ever under any circumstance but then it gets advocated, Black Lives Matter, these people are progressive, they're actual Marxist organizations. So the state kills a citizen and it becomes advocacy for a stronger, more powerful state. It's insane. It, yeah. It's got to be the greatest hustle of all time. Colin Kaepernick talks about, you know, the police state, white supremacy, and then immediately talks about how good communism was and Castro wasn't that bad of a guy. That you're, this is, you're advocating for the very oppression that you claim to be against. Well, Kaepernick it's, was paid by Nike the whole entire time, right? So, like, right off the bat, you, like... You're taking a knee, and people are like, oh my gosh, he's out of a job, blah, 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 blah. It was a, a Nike campaign, right? Mm. This is not bro science, it's fact. He was paid by them the whole entire time. Now, they didn't say anything while he was doing this. They just waited and waited and waited and see where it was going to go, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Gee, you got to, like, push your cough button or something. I'm hearing your breathing so loud, really? bro. Really? Yeah. It's I, like... I thought it was sexy for a little bit. Uh, but... <laughs> He's like, my, bored my, my allergies, yeah. man. Yeah, Sorry, bro, we're guys. back up in Jersey. I appreciate yeah. you telling yeah, me. Bro, it's, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been I just uh, thought I was boring yeah, I as you. hell. Uh, but it's like it got, it got bigger and bigger bigger than you'd find out that he's he's been being paid by Nike the whole entire time, right? So my thing is I don't look at myself when I come here. It's like I don't look. I didn't come in here like, oh, I'm talking to some white dudes today. Like, I, I know your names. I'm talking to two human beings that I respect that I can't wait to talk to. We need to stop with the black and white shit in terms of having conversations, right? But... It is important to understand history so it does not repeat itself. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's that's the fine line between having these conversations and living in the past. I don't live in the past. I don't want anybody's freaking sympathy. Now, empathy for me, the definition of empathy to me is just, hey, man, I know what you went through or I know what you're going through. I know the plight. Cool. I don't want sympathy. Like, if you have empathy for me, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad thing to say, hey, see, like, yeah, our inner cities are... Man, what they did in terms of redlining everybody to one central area and all that's fucked up. But I don't need a handout. I don't my mom raised five kids on her own with no money, mm -hmm. right? In the eighties. So like my mindset is different than someone that might not have had that one parent, that loving parent that was like, 
you're, you better be home before the streetlights are on. So it's, I, I don't understand people that can't empathize with that. Like, if you're like, pick yourself up. What do you, well, go to an inner city, like, go to an inner city. And when I talk to these schools, like, I have kids that message me like, hey, you know, my, my dad's alcoholic. And, you know, my mom is dead. I'm raising my, like, 12-year-old brother by myself. The kid's 15 years old. Mm-hmm. You can't say, oh, just pick yourself up. Right now, there's no programs in place for these kids to even pick themselves. Some of these kids can't do after-school programs because they can't walk home on their block. So I'm like, there's just a fine line where we have to sit down and not call each other names and just have conversations. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's I I always look at it as uh, that fucking meme I, I've talked about probably on this podcast five times, where there's uh, two guys up in the tower, and they're like, hey, as long as we can get. And there's all the people downstairs, down there with pitchforks and torches. Like, as long as we can get the pitchfork people mad at the torch people and them arguing, we'll be okay up here in our little tower. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like, right. even like you said before, with like the elites, like they're, it's, it's their job to make people fucking argue and bicker and not focus on, you know what I mean? Well, the problem becomes metadata now. They know exactly what trigger points are for everybody. Yeah. They know what to put in front of this demographic at this time that's going to elicit the most reaction, therefore the most clicks, the most shares, the most arguments in the comment. There's a huge profitability in us fighting one another. Yeah. And I can tell you where the empathy, the lack of empathy comes from. I can only tell you from my perspective is... First of all, you're an athlete. We get along because we're athletes. I've never, no matter what race, any athlete I've ever been around, we get along. We understand how to support an individual, promote an individual, but also how the group achieves more together. Non-athletes, I have a huge problem communicating with them. I have a huge problem even respecting them, really. Their their worldview to me is asinine in many ways. And when you're talking... How They they don't... they, they They think obedience is the same as collaboration. And if you're disobedient, if you step out even for a second on one, I can agree with you on nine out of 10 things. If I disagree with you with one out of 10, that's all we ever focus on. That's all we ever talk about until I either acquiesce to their, their dominance or they exclude me from the group. That's very, very like that. That that seems to be the. the I'm generalizing. These are that's, not athletes that you're around. That correct. You're around. Big okay. comedy community, exactly. entertainment community. It's this idea of the collective. In order for the collective to to succeed, you have to kind of forget your individualism, give up whatever thoughts you have. You disagree. It doesn't matter. We're we're unionized. We're part of this union. But really all that is is we're all being subservient to the person who's the alpha, the leader of that group, the president of the union, whatever it is. See with teachers all the time. Where you talk with a teacher one-on-one and they'll say something, oh, I really don't agree with what we're doing with XYZ. But then the union, who they're a part of and they support and they'll post, is always talking about doing the opposite. And you're like, bro, what are you doing? Like, this is crazy. Why are we spending this kind of money? This taxpayer stuff's dumb. Teachers need to make more money. Absolutely, I agree. Then why is the union head making $5 million and you're making 35000 That's where you should be talking to. But I, I digress. Where the issue happened with, I think, white people like me, Irish people specifically, was it's almost like a betrayal. I felt like we were, this is my boy, we were together, we're in this thing together. And then it became, you white people, you white people, this and that. And me understanding my history and understanding where I come from, it's not white people, it's the British. It's the Spanish. Don't put me in there with them. They were raping my people for a thousand years before they knew the new world existed. Mm -hmm. So then there's this idea that it's not just the sins of the father, which is a tough enough argument. It's the sins of the father that beat the shit out of my father. Like, why why do I have to? We speak speak in generalities, that's why. So we we, we group everybody together. 
every, all of us, we're all guilty of it at some point, and it's the worst thing that you can possibly do. I, like, I have a great, st- so I'm driving home, it's like 1.45 in the morning, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I just got out of college, I'm working, training, get overseas to play ball, and uh, me and my buddy are coming back from Hoboken, another brown skinned dude, he's in front of me, I'm behind him, and this cop jams in between the both of us, 1.30 in the morning, Roxbury, jams in between the both of us, and I'm, I thought he was gonna pull my friend over, so I slowed down a little bit. The dude comes back, gets right behind me, like I'm telling you, G, like bumper to bumper. Mm. And I'm like, if I even brake tap a little bit, this dude's gonna hit my car. Puts his lights on, swerves me over. And my mom always, always told me, whenever you get pulled over, I don't care who it is, go under a, a streetlight, right? So you, it's not, it's a well place. People are driving past. They can see that you're on the road. If I have to come. I can see that you, where you are, etc. And you said your father was a police officer. My father's police officer. Mm-hmm. He's one of the first black police officers for sake back in the day. So I pull over. This guy comes out, gets on his like little whatever. Tells my friend he goes because my buddy pulled up. He goes, get out of here. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, let's see what this guy's gonna say. He goes, hey man, uh, you've been drinking tonight? I said, no, officer. I said, I, I don't drink. I don't you know smoke. Uh, we're just coming back from here. I'm driving this where I live. And he goes, okay, hold tight. Goes back. Three more cars come. I'm there sitting there for an hour and a half. Hour and a half. No one's come to my car. They're sitting laughing, bullshitting, talking. And I'm 24 years old. Mm-hmm. The guy comes up to me. The, all the, the other cars leave. Drive, he comes up to me and goes, hey, man, yeah, I got to give you a ticket for that obstruction of view. I had a pine cone behind my rear view mirror. This much was showing. And he gives me the ticket, and I crumple that bitch up, and I throw up against the window. I was like, I'll see you in court. Good for you. So I go to court. I get a public defender. And the guy goes, Cornell. It's only a $40, a $25 ticket. If if you lose, you're gonna pay $45. And I have I'm broke. I have no money. All my money's going to training. I have no money. He goes, you might as well just pay it. And like an ass, I pay it, right? Couple like years later, I get pulled over, but you know, again, and the guy goes, uh, sir, your your lights out. And I'm I'm freaking completely different attitude. Yeah, okay, man, yeah, my lights out, blah, blah, blah. My, my my fiance is at the time is with me. Mm-hmm. He goes, sir, he goes, you can come out and see it. Your lights out, I promise you. I go out, my light's out. I apologize to the officer, yeah. and I say, hey, I, I had a bad situation a couple years ago, and I was like, mm. I, I shouldn't have took that on you. I, I apologize. He goes, hey, man, it's not, not a problem. We're not all the same. That's what he said. He said, we're That's, not all the same. Yeah. And let me and let us go. No ticket. Yeah. So for me, like sometimes you like stereotype and you group these people together without realizing we're not all the freaking same. Sure. Right? And we see it all the time, but we forget it because we're so invested in our team, right, or in this group think that we can't sit back and be like, well, my next experience with an officer, or my next experience with a comedian, or my next experience with whoever mm-hmm. isn't going to be the same. And that's that's really interesting that you said that because I was just talking uh, about that with my dad the other day. Um, so many cops, that, like, I know a lot of cops personally, great dudes. I've also been pulled over by cops who were fucking dickheads, yeah. you know? And, the, you know, you got to think, like, like let's say like how you you start to go off on the cop yeah. then maybe he pulls the next person over and he's like all right motherfucker like he's in a, then he's in a bad mood and it could go back and forth yep. like that he's got to be worried about certain shit you got to be worried about certain shit i you know what i mean we all it's 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 like a it's a bad little cycle mm-hmm. it's a vicious cycle so, we can so kind of get into that kind of negative feedback loop that you're talking about is exactly why i feel the way about my politics i do that forms my libertarian worldview 99% of cops are good guys. That 1% ha- can have a devastating impact on generations of people. Kill somebody sure. that shouldn't have died. How does that impact his family for generations, right? 
that it, so when I hear this, and I understand coming from you, you know, it, it may be ra- racially centric. I hear an abuse of power from the state. Mm-hmm. I hear another reason to neuter the power of the apparatus that we choose to govern us. Mm-hmm. There's no reason under any circumstance anybody should be allowed to take an hour and a half of your time for anything, really. They stole hour and a half of your life. They, that There should have been compensation to you. And then you had to pay the state on top of it. That's, that's grotesque yeah. to me. I also hate... Anything that's a fine, because a fine means laws exist for poor people, not rich people, right? If you can't do this, it's a $25 fine. Well, if you're a 24-year-old athlete struggling to get by, well, that's a law. Shit, this is going to put me out. If you got $100 million in the bank, you can hang a whole blow-up doll from yep. your from right. your rear view. Who gives a shit? I'll yep. pay the fine, right? So, so the, these type of things, I see these as societal issues, systemic things that need to be addressed. But I also think they know that. And that's why they want the racial divide. And all Black Lives Matter, that everything that we heard, every even Occupy Wall Street, I never once heard credit score brought up. There is nothing that creates a wealth disparity in America like credit score. Nothing. Have you ever heard any of these famous people that are constantly tweeting talk about credit score? Never. Because at the end of the day, they know where they, they know where their bread is buttered. Yeah, right. I mean, this is this is you know a social justice revolution brought to you by Pfizer and Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's not organic. Mm-hmm. It's not because if we really wanted to do something to affect change, credit score would be the first thing we did. Credit score means rich people have access to as much money as they want cheaply. Poor people have access to no money. If I want to start a business tomorrow, if I want to get a student loan and go into debt. For four years and 200000 they'll give me an unsecured loan to go get educated to be one of their employees. But if I want that same $200,000 unse- unsecured to start a business, I would never be able to get it. I'd have to go to the mob to get it. I think I, I heard like a long time ago someone was saying if everybody, if it was, everything was jiu-jitsu, like everybody went on the mats, right, there really wouldn't be any of these problems. Like so You'd always have your dickheads here and there. But I'll tell you right now, I've been training for 16 years. I would say I've maybe ran into three assholes since I've been training jiu-jitsu. Pretty much every, almost, yeah, I may, maybe around the same. Yeah. Almost every asshole kind of gets filtered out because yeah. their ego they can't never deal with it. They can't, they they can't never last. last. They, yeah. yeah. And it's like... And maybe, they, they probably needed the most, 100%. Too, you know? Like, but when you're training AMA, like, like, that, like, you were fighting and, you know, Andy Main and those guys and Claudio, like, my boy, like, they were... Like you guys were, that was the first like fight school in that area. Yeah, we actually know? have um, Mike Constantino coming on. Oh, do you? Uh, oh, that's great. That. Mike's a good yeah. dude. Yeah, you'll see him. Yeah, but that was the, like the first fight school, right? So when everybody started training, right, like fighting, because now all the jiu-jitsu schools were MMA, right? <laughs> because well, that was a real fight school. So I've never come across guys in the mat where I'm like, man, I can't stand this dude. Like 90% of the guys that started with me are still at the same school, I want to say almost 98% still train, yeah. even if it's somewhere else. And that's like, and if we have an issue, we can roll, man. And at the end of that roll, it doesn't matter if you tap me out 30,000 times or not, we slap hands, it's all love. We don't take it to the locker room. No one's outside in the street fighting or whatever. Because when I walk in an airport, if I have a jiu-jitsu shirt on, someone, no doubt, will come up to me and say, bro, where do you train? It's like this band of brothers and sisters that, like, I know that you went through something hard. It's like to your point about athletes. The athletes like, thing, you yeah. know you somebody went through something hard, so I can respect you at that point. Now, people that tra- don't train jiu-jitsu, I'm always like, man, it's great. My kids are 9 and 7. They do jiu-jitsu. Why? Because, I, and I teach a class at my buddy Garrett's school. It's like, I'm watching my kids get in really uncomfortable, bad positions. And as a dad, you're like... 
Oh man! But like I, I, but I know what the jungle's like. I know what the make world them is develop like. character. Yeah, man. They're yeah. gonna be ahead of the game. Interesting. Very, very interesting. You call it the blood of the covenant, right? It's that blood of the covenant, you know? Yeah. The idea that the, the shared Train experience. together, go to go to war together, yeah. Yeah. So, Omri, what do, what do we have in the comments here? And then I want to the, yeah, circle I back. Yeah, I want to circle back and get into Cornell's uh, story a little bit. All right. Uh, the comments have been um, wildly anti-Semitic, uh, which was fun for me. <laughs> welcome to Gaz uh, Digital. Uh, yes. yes. Welcome to Gaz Digital. <laughs> I do have a couple questions. Let me pull them up right now. Uh, we have a question for uh, one for G and one for uh, Mick. Uh, the question for G is, G, can you see your dick when you pee? And uh, Oh, and uh, and the question for Mick is, how big is your dick? These are both from Reconet. He's been very gay in the comments All right. today. Um, to answer your question, yes, I can. But I, it's also because I've gotten older. I become a wall leaner when I pee. I can't. I can't. Pee you got. You get a better a better va- vantage point. Yeah, yeah. You, you get. You give yourself a little angle. It's like we're talking about here, guys. It's, life is a matter of perspective, really. You know, it's all about finding the proper perspective. Yeah, that'll be my TED talk. Oh. <laughs> And then we have one serious question. Uh, I also, Dylan, I sent you a link about Wait, wait, wait. Mi- Mickey, you... Wait, wait, wait. Mickey didn't answer oh, this. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, well, bad. I can actually, when, if I have. Filibustering. If I have, if I have a little morning wood going, like, I, I almost have to stand on my head to, to get it into the toilet. Is that right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That lean isn't, isn't, isn't even quite enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm spraying down the wall. Just go ahead and use the shower at that point. It's huge. No, oh, by the way, that's something um, I've noticed as I get older. I like when I'm drunk. I got I got to be very like self aware because I love pissing in sinks when I'm drunk. Yeah. I go to the bathroom and they're like the toilets right there and I'm like nah, I'm just gonna pee in this sink. Yeah. Bathtub mm. the bathtub pee is a good one. Yeah, you don't have to aim. Big fan of the bathtub pee. You know, come come back to a hotel after a show and I'm just like standing over the bathtub like you know. Yeah, I, oh, I'm never gonna yeah. have you over my house. <laughs> I love that you. Would be I love super you. That'd be great. It's, it's, I just not, can't. Yeah. I just can't. Nah. Cornell yeah. hates white people. Yeah. that's really what it comes All down to. Yeah, All it's of not them. about you pissing <laughs> pissing down his fucking bathroom. Yeah. You pissed in my kids' bath toys. <laughs> not, not about that at all. <laughs> I just have you over sober. All right, I'd love all right, to come cool, over cool, sober. Cool. Yeah, he's gonna be like hawking me to make sure I'm not drinking any beers the barbecue. Yeah, and then we had one serious question, and if you don't know about this, Dylan, I sent you a link about this did you see they started a chinese police station in new york oh, a state chinese police station in new york come on huh yeah see this is the type of stuff this is where you know how you talked about the seven deadly sins how they're my seven daily sins and i get to wrath like i'm feeling wrath and i haven't even read the article uh no why why is that i i mean why, why are we acquiescing you know i i we're, we're gonna talk about this on the podcast fuck, I, I don't have time for it Jesus. hit me up i'll go live about it later once i read about it that's that's very interesting though well speaking of i mean what's your take on what happened on the subway with uh the marine uh you have a very a introspective yeah you're both a yeah, being a jujitsu mm-hmm. practitioner the son of a police officer mm-hmm. and a black man you are yeah. pretty much you know uniquely qualified to have an opinion on the subject I, I don't think I think race had nothing to do with it I think that's silly right like that's a silly narrative that people put in that you, if you've been on a subway before in New York you know that there's like 50% chance that you're gonna see something crazy right either someone doing a backflip and catching a hat with their fucking foot or a dude ranting and going crazy now people that are not equipped to defend themselves 
right? And you're he's you're being threatened, right? There's women there, there's kids there. What are you supposed to do if you can kind of defend yourself? Now, the rear naked choke was executed really poorly, right? Like it wasn't great technique. Like if you rear naked choke someone, they're not gonna be. It's not gonna be seven minutes long. It's be three, four seconds. Like yeah. it'll be sleep. So obviously the person did. I mean, probably you know YouTube jujitsu. Like he doesn't like no real jujitsu because you can knee on belly somebody and it feels like death. Right, or you can mount someone and just keep them there. Like he didn't really have to keep a choke on. And again, if you have a pro- again, we're also black belts yeah. too. So I, yeah. I, because I, I was thinking about the same thing. It's like, oh, I would, you know, I choke him out, let him come back to life, choke, choke him out again, again. <laughs> let him come back to life, choke him out again. Just let, you know what that I mean? For like the next seven could, minutes. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, yeah, with like you know every ten second intervals. But was or he whatever, an army? Was he an army guy? He was a marine. marine. So I thought like maybe yeah. they had like combatives or they, something. They so do, but yeah, not real combatives. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I look at it as, like, I understand why this dude came went to action. There's a whole ton of other people that didn't, right? So I give him props for saying, like, hey, man, like, this is going to get dangerous. Mm-hmm. But there's three dudes. If you're three, and it didn't look like really, like, they didn't look like three Oompa Loompas. They looked like they had decent size. If you guys can just pin an arm, pin an arm. Right, and someone sit on his legs. You, it, this is just different ways. And again, that's the heat of the battle. You have no idea what can happen. Like I'm just talking Monday morning quarterback. But I just look at it like, man, the biggest issue, which we'll never get to, is the mental health issue. Right? We're never gonna go after pharma. We're not gonna go after why. Like I've been to Skid Row before. I've seen tens of thousands of people that look like walking. It looks like looks like The Walking Dead. Right? That are all and on all sorts of shit. So we'll never address that. We'll never address the mental health issue with the homeless. We'll just be like homeless. Everybody's fine. No man. Right? So I looked at it. I was like, it is what it is. I mean, I've been in those situations where I've been on a subway and a guy is like talking crazy threatening and there's kids there and old ladies there and you just wait like, you're sitting there like well yeah the subway's become a ticking time yeah moment. man something like this was unfortunately bound to happen yeah and it's really funny not that this is a funny situation but this guy gets into a cage with a trained killer as often as possible yeah every time i say let's take the subway he's like i'm not taking the subway. yeah because <laughs> because you don't know what they have like all you all you need is to get stabbed once right like all you need is like a little knife in a place that is gonna just bleed you out. Yeah, and it's like it's not like we were in um we were in San Diego. We took the family to San Diego. For the record, I'm not scared of the subway. I just <laughs> yeah. think it's like I was gonna say, gross. He, 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 like, he doesn't like the nah, smells. He doesn't yeah, like, I just, uh, but we were in San Diego. We're walking. I'm walking my kids. Hot and smelly. Smells <laughs> yeah, like hot ass. Not fun in there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm walking with my my son, and there's a a homeless person that's crazy, and he's talking all sorts of he's saying like stuff about Koreans, blacks, et cetera, and he's walking past us. So I just put my kid on this side, and we just, I looked, I watched him, and I just walked right past, his head's down, he's yelling, screaming, his shirt's off, and we just walked past and went to the store that we had to go to. Gave him an ocular pat down. Yeah, I'm just sitting there yeah, like, a all right, like just look, looking at this dude, like, be cool, and my, my son's like, hey daddy, what's wrong? I was like, hey, some people, you know, the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor. I was mm-hmm. like, you have to always, I talk to my kids about awareness all the time. Right, like if there's somebody that comes to my kid's school, he's not gonna be sitting there waiting for a shooter to come in. It's interesting. I've heard Mickey talk about that a lot as well, and that's something jujitsu, I guess, preaches as being aware of your situation, situational awareness in that regard. Yeah, always. Like I, it's hard to, like as a dad, go on vacation because you're always like, you're like always looking, like yeah. you're always like, yeah, motherfucker, I see you about a sandcastle. 
My wife is like, he's three. I'm like, oh, my bad, my bad. My bad. <laughs> I'll kick that baby. Uh, no, I won't, for the record. I will not kick the so baby. So you've been training for how long? 16 years. And you're what, six, six, five? Yeah, close to that. So, yeah. so have you guys ever rolled together? No. No. no oh, no, we got to no, make no, this happen. No. I want to. I, I roll with Mickey when his back is hurt, so then I'd have more of an opportunity to like get him in a bad position, but Mickey's a killer. I would love to roll with him. I, I, my thing is, that's the thing about jiu-jitsu is like, now, I'll roll with anybody on earth because it's not like someone's throwing punches and kicks at you. Or someone's like, hey, you're going to go spar with Alistair Overeem, you know, when he's juiced up. I'm be like, no, I'm good. I'm going to pass. I <laughs> yeah. keep all my brain cells. No, it's a, yeah, it's like a, I, I, I described it. I had David Devon yeah. uh, last week and it was, I was, you know, just spreading the good word of jujitsu. We're like, it's like a virtual reality game. Mm-hmm. You get caught in a bad position, you tap out. And you just start again. Yeah. Like it's like it's it's as if you're in in a yeah. game and you're gonna get like a video game. Analogy. If you're gonna get if you're gonna get stabbed, like okay, reset. I play again. The best you know analogy. what I mean? Wasted. That's the best analogy. Yeah. Yeah. You're right sure. back in. No no problem. Babality. You shit yourself. You're good. You're good. Yeah. You're fine. You're good. Roll again. Yeah. You know I what wanna, I mean? I want I have one uh, one of my dream roles. I want to I want to uh, train with Hodger. Oh yeah. Right. Because he's like my size Stud. and he's a you know probably the best gi grappler in the world. It's like. I have no fear of training jiu-jitsu with people at all, you know, and... I, You're I, more likely to get hurt going with a spazzy white belt yeah, than with a top-level black belt, like a Hodger Gracie or, you know... The I mean? roles like, look different. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't look like uh, you have the double deuce and you're Patrick Swayze, like, you know, dirty... Like, what I said, Great dirty reference. Dancing. You know what I mean? Like, it looks like... It, it's not Roadhouse. It's like, black belts, it's like... It's these, like, these little subtle things. You're like, oh, shit. Like, what it's was smooth. that? It's smooth, man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you grew up in Jersey. You started yeah. out as a basketball player. Is that correct? Well, I didn't start playing basketball until I was 16. 16? That's the first time I picked up a ball. That's a that's yeah. a late to the game. Real late to the game. So my dad was, uh, uh, like I said, a police officer in the city of Pacific, New Jersey. Named the street after him 12 years ago. But he passed when he was 41. So my dad's whole you entire... You were three, correct? I was Yeah, three, going on four. Oh, wow. And he... he his whole mission was to take all the bad kids that nobody wanted to deal with and, like, reform them pretty much, like, make them good kids, like, have them clean up the city, be respectful. So he started this junior police, you know, foundation. He put it right on Monroe Street, which was one of, the, like, the worst places at that time in Passaic. And so I didn't really know. I have two memories of my father. One was at his funeral. And at his funeral, I just remember sitting on stage and seeing, like, a sea of people. And I, I didn't understand, like, why the news was covering and all that stuff. And my mom and my dad died she had to pretty much cut the memory just so we could survive. So we never visited his, his grave site like, until I was, I did that 10 years ago. For, like the first time since I was like, you know, three years old was to go visit his grave site. Cause she was like, I had to like figure out how to survive with five kids and not a lot of money. And we moved to Rockaway, New Jersey. So we're in Passaic and my brother comes home. I have a ton of family. And one of my brothers, Ramon, he's two years older than me. He comes home and goes, mom, the kids are selling drugs in class. And like some of the teachers are involved. My mom moved this in 14 days. Like in 14 days, she got a U haul. Yeah, fuck. The o- teachers are involved. Yeah, bro. Open the newspaper, Jeez point it. Louise. Got us to Rockaway. Rockaway, we moved to the most fitting town name ever White Meadow Lake. <laughs> it was the, the whitest of the meadows and the whitest of the lakes. So we go to White Meadow Lake, and it's like, it's the first time that I've ever seen like racism. And I didn't even know what it was. Like my brother was working for, like at a bus company in the summer, and they were like calling him like Sambo and all this like racism. Really? Wow. But he didn't know what it was because everybody's black and Spanish for sake. So he did So he came home so and I told my I guess I got a nickname. He's today. like, oh, guess what? They, they said I like watermelon. That's great. I kind of do. Yeah. Right? Like they, it's delicious. <laughs> it's delicious. Waka Waka. Right? Like he had, he, he had no idea like these people were being racist. And he told my mom and my mom explained to us. And when you start understanding it, 
you just automatically get this chip because you're like, well, why are people going to think that about me? They don't, I'm a nice person. Like, I'm not mean. I'm not a bully. I'm like, I talk to everybody. And so my grandmother was, my mom's from Virginia. She was very, very, very racist. She was born in 1912, hated all white people. It didn't matter if you were like the nicest person in the world. My mom was the complete opposite. My mom was always like, never judge with the carton by the egg. So that's how mm -hmm. we grew up. Never judge the carton by the egg. She's like, there's idiots in every race. There's idiots in every religion. So she really had our minds open to like connect with that. My my friends look like a bag of Skittles. Like I don't care what, if you're cool, we can hang out. We can well, ride bikes. Those guys probably needed medical attention at that point. Then I mean, yeah, you're talking about purple and green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one was one was yellow. I can't say yellow, but uh, you know, <laughs> but well, yeah, one was purple. That's right, G and green. No, not yellow. I repeat, <laughs> not the yellow. I went with purple and <laughs> you son of a bitch. Yeah, what I a love, setup. I love what a yellow. setup. <laughs> what an alley oop! But when I when I got to when I got to White Metal Lake, I I started playing basketball because I had a cousin in Virginia that played basketball. He was a stud. He played football, baseball, and track. And I used to see newspaper articles of him. So I picked up a basketball. I sucked at it for four years. Like I was really fucking horrible. And uh, but I worked out six seven hours a day. So like I had my work ethic for my mom. And I always tell people pay attention. Like I just paid attention to my mom. Like that's how I got my work. People are like oh man, like your mom must have said my mom didn't say a lot to me. I just watched her work. And I was like, okay, I thought that's have to do to be successful. So I ended up going to a junior college. And then by the time I was a sophomore in junior college, I got good enough to get a scholarship. I played at Minot State in North Dakota, came back home, started working out with NBA guys, uh, got a contract to play in Portugal, in Lisbon. And then seven days before I was supposed to go, I ruptured my Achilles. Oof. Tough. Yeah. So I started, I started coaching. I didn't want to coach basketball. I was only 25 years old. I didn't want to coach basketball. But I went for the interview because my mom was like, your coach did so much for you, including paying the money that we owe so you can take your scholarship. Oh, wow. Go on the interview. I go on the interview, and three days later, I have a bunch of kids that look like me when I was in junior college calling me coach. And I realized that like my job my job on this earth, my mission is not just to play basketball, it's to help people. So I just started coaching, and then people were like, well, how'd you get into speaking? I'm like, that shit didn't happen until like 12 years after that. You know, right before my son was born, I had a good friend of mine, he's now associate head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, he was about to have his daughter. I was about to have my son. I was like, well, what's your schedule like? He was at Bucknell. He goes, oh, I get in the gym around 6 a.m. I leave around like midnight. I'm like, huh? What'd you say? <laughs> I said, say, say that shit again? Rewind? Yeah. I said, he goes, oh, I'm not, not really home. So I'm like, how am I going to bring a life form onto the earth and not be in my son's life? And I grew up without a father. And all, all, I wanted to be a father my whole life, right? I talk about a nod and I get like not my throat. I've always wanted to be a dad. So... I didn't know what it was, and one day, it was like 2012, I was just on Facebook, it was super negative, people, it wasn't even during a debate, people were just fighting and shit. So I took this quote from a book of positive quotations and started putting them online, and people liked it. And then one day I woke up and I couldn't find the book, I wrote my own quote, people still liked it, so I'm like, well fuck the book, I'm just gonna like write my own quotes. And then the quotes became blogs, blogs became books. And when I talk about positivity, I don't talk about the bullshit. I don't talk about like, oh my gosh, be happy all the time, like, it's okay, like, I'm not Richard Simmons, right? Like, I talk about, how long are you gonna waste being negative because we have a finite amount of time on this earth, right? So mm. you can have your moments, but realize like you don't have all the time in the world. Like if everything goes right and you go from 80 to 100 like years old, somewhere in between there, how, what's your age now? Now subtract that age from that number. That's how much time you have left. You can do that to hours, minutes, and seconds. So do you wanna be negative all fucking day or do you wanna like move on and say next play and go to the next thing? Now how uh, a big part the, a big thing I've heard you talk about is purpose. Yeah. And uh, you you say your purpose, cor and correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, is helping people find their purpose. Yeah. So how do you do that? Yeah. So when I go and speak, Mickey, like, I want people to understand that I'm not 
it doesn't matter what my background was. It doesn't matter the things I've been through. I I just have a knowing, a feeling that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's what mm. purpose is. The problem that we don't find what we're supposed to do is we don't question like what it is we're supposed to do. And we just accept coming out of high school or college like this is the path for me. You're a very irregular path, G. Same thing with you, Mickey. You guys aren't doing what your high school teachers would want you to do. You're a fighter and you're a comedian. That doesn't make any sense. You're not working for anybody. You should be working for somebody, right? So you guys ask like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, I love to fight. Like I love to make people laugh, make people feel good. So this is what I did. So it's a very different path. We don't sit down and say, well, why am I here? Like, why am I here? And not, not the trauma shit that you've been through, not the stuff that your parents tell you that you need to do. Like I've been to Dubai and spoken. I've had people ask me like, well, what do you do if culturally you're not allowed to be anything but a lawyer or a doctor? How do I do I want the girl, this girl's like, I want to be an artist. I'm not allowed to be an artist. I get kicked out of my house. Sure. Right. So I got lucky because when I share my, when I share my story with people and talk about like my struggles and all the stuff that I've been through and continue to go through, right. It gives people hope that like, Hey, if he can do it, I can do it. Like I don't come at I don't talk to people from a mountain. Like I have all the answers and all that stuff. Like my brother, I have a brother who's autistic, my brother Craig and my whole entire life. I never, I never understood him. Because, you know, he'd shake everybody's hand. And I just never understood him. And then, like, three years ago, he was on his deathbed. You know, he had an infection that went from his tooth to his heart. And so I'm going to Mount Sinai here in New York every single day, like, with my mom. You know, making sure, like, seeing if my brother's going to live, taking tubes out of his throat. And then I'm going to a school and speaking about positivity and purpose. Mm -hmm. And they have no idea what I'm going through. Right? But I know that my mission is bigger than, like, what I'm going through. Right? So. That's just that. That's that's how I that's how I do it. That's how I go about my life every single day. The book the book is the power of positivity. Yep. You've done five TED, five, five TED talks. Well, five books. Five books. You've done yeah. one TED talk. One TED talk. Yep. Five books. And your books have been endorsed by Tony Robbins. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. How'd you go about getting that endorsement? Uh, somebody. I was somewhere, and somebody was like, "Oh, he's the best speaker in the world." I'm like, I'm the best speaker in the world. The fuck? And like, they never heard me speak. I'm then. like, bitch. It's not, it's, <laughs> not, it's not the power of humility. Yeah. It's the power of positivity. No. <laughs> Imagine someone saying, hey, G, like, I saw this comedian. He was way better than you. You're like. Yeah, we did this yeah. last week with Matt Reif. Let's not, yeah. let's not go yeah, back no. that. Right? So some, someone said that to me, and I was just like, yeah, okay, man. Like, now I want to see who this cat is. Like, I saw him right, on right. Shallow Hal, but I was like, I want to yep. see who this dude is. So his tickets are like $7 million to go to. So, like, I couldn't go to an event in terms of the money I had. And uh, a woman who was following me on Twitter, I sent her and her husband a book, and she goes, if we sent you to a Tony Robbins event, would you go? I said, it's too much money. Like, I can't put you guys out like that. She goes, as easy as it was for you to send that book, that's how easy it is to, for us to send to this event. It's 2015. I get a confirmation from the Waterford story, which I only knew because of Annie, right? And I'm like, it's a six-night stay. They already paid for $4,000. My book's 11 bucks, right? So I'm, like, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, I don't know if they want me to be like their chocolate cabana boy. I don't know what's about to go down, but this shit sounds like it's going to be crazy. What's the, what's the place with Ben Castro? What was the place on the episode 10 episodes ago? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I, know you're I thought some weird shit was going to go down. And then she sent me my ticket confirmation. The ticket was $10,000. So shit. I go there. And he asked the question, and like everybody's like, talk, p- humans don't make me nervous, right? Like, I've been choked out 7,000 times. I'm not just whatever. I don't care if you're famous. I don't care if you have a check by your. So I raised my hand. I, I heard he's a huge he's human. He's six, being. seven. Yeah. And his hands are like this big. His head is like Wolverine big. without the claws. His wow. head is bigger than all of our heads together, <laughs> except for Mickey's, obviously, uh, the Mickey's other head, because he's pants. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, pause. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I answered this question, and 
we're going back and forth and he's laughing and stuff. And so afterwards I said, hey, Tony, just so you know, I messaged him. I said, I came there to see, because someone said you're the best speaker in the world, but I see that you're a real person. I'd love for you to write the forward to my book. No problem, contact my executive assistant. Wow. Like that, wow. that easy. And then like, because he started following me on Twitter, like Very whatever, my cool. old Twitter. And then that took a year. Because I will contact the executive assistant, and they're shooting I'm not your guru at the same time. Mm-hmm. So every two months, I check in on her, and that's still nothing. And my, my book was done. Marv was like, well, when are you going to get the book? I was like, when I get that shit, I'll publish the book. Yeah. And I got it one morning like at 5 a.m., and I was just like, tears down. I was like, no, nah, I can publish my book. So I like, pressed publish, and there it was. It wasn't this one. It was the, my third book. My son's on the front cover. And I have to put my daughter somehow on the front cover of one of these books. You got to so make it even, right? She'll stab me in my yeah. sleeve. She's a gangster. Yeah. My son is like, he'll he'll like he'll be like, no, I'm not gonna stab. My daughter will stab you in, in your sleep. Yeah, I like uh, how you t- you're talking about uh, in in uh, your TED talk. You're talking about like the odds of winning the lottery. Yeah. And then you talk about just the odds of being born. Mm-hmm. Like the odds of winning the lottery, what? It's like one in 125 million. Something and like I believe that. the odds of being born is one in four million or four hundred trillion. trillion. I mean trillion. trillion. Yeah. yeah. Is it four trillion? Four hundred trillion. Four hundred trillion. Nuts. Yeah. Crazy. But Mickey, that that day before that TED talk, I was in the hospital. With it, getting an EKG. So what I'm wearing in my TED Talk, I have this oversized brown jacket, these jeans and sneakers. There was a snowstorm the week that weekend. All the power went out in the town that I lived in. All my clothes for the TED Talk were in the cleaners. The cleaners was closed. So I had to grab stuff out of the bottom of the closet that I haven't worn. Like, it looked like I'm wearing my big brother's clothes. Yeah, I thought you were I, doing a, like, Mark Curry hang with yeah. Mr. Cooper thing type of thing. <laughs> I yeah. sit back, I was yeah. doing a Steve Harvey. A little bit. So I drive to my mom's house, and my mom's a nurse. So as soon as I come in, like, my mom, before she says hi, she does your blood pressure. I'm like, Mom, like, hi, how are you? She's like, oh, baby boy, let me put it. And she's, like, wrapping her, the shit on my arm. And she goes, oh, this is really high. I said, well, I'm good. I have a TED Talk in a couple of days. She goes, you're going to the hospital tomorrow. And I was like, oh, yes, ma'am, because I'm not going to say no to my mom. She punched me in the face. So the next day I go to the hospital, and the doctor. Some violent women around yeah, you. Know, <laughs> they don't play. My, so they hooked me up to EKG, and the doctor goes, yeah, it's very high. I said, well, let me ask you a question. If I want to run a marathon tomorrow, can I run a marathon? And he goes, yep. And I looked at my wife. I was like, I'm doing that talk. I was like, I'll die on stage. I was like, whatever. Right? And so I went and did, did the talk. It was like 13 minutes or so. And I got off that stage. And I was just like, she was like, I knew you. Because she, she knows me from college. So she used to rebound for me at 2 o'clock in the morning. So she knows I'm a nut. So she's like, I knew you were going to do the talk regardless. I was like, I don't care what the doctor said. It was just, I knew I am supposed to do that talk. And then that's where I was. Power of positivity. So... What is something our listeners can do? It's easy to say be positive. Yeah, it's sure. easy to say, you know, try. Hey, just think of things like you said, that yeah. flowery language. Uh, we've talked about it on the pod before. One of the most impactful speeches I've ever heard, if you want to call it self-help or whatever, mm-hmm. was from a, uh, a Navy SEAL came and talked to us when we were on the Cardinals, and he mm-hmm. was like, who here has ever heard pain is weakness leaving the body? We, like, raise our hands. Uh, who here has ever heard if you're not training, somebody else mm-hmm. is? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this sucks. Getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and running sucks. Yeah. And we're like, oh, wait, what's going on here? This is different. Yeah. And uh, dieting sucks. Lifting weights sucks. Mm-hmm. Practicing in the heat sucks. The difference is champions don't quit the suck. Yeah. Everybody else, when it sucks, they quit. Mm-hmm. Embrace the suck. You can't. You can't change your mind. You can't trick yourself into being positive. Yeah. Know it sucks and do it anyway. That's why they'll make. That's why they'll make statues out of you when it's done. Love it. That was one of the most impactful things I had ever heard. When you're talking about the power of positivity, mm-hmm. 
what are the processes in place for somebody who's maybe in a depressed state, yeah. maybe, you know, wants to be positive, but doesn't know how to be? Yeah. Well, first things first is understand everybody's different, right? And it's okay that the stuff you're going through might not be the stuff that other people are going through. And then focus on what you have. We focus on what we don't have all the time, right? Focus on what you have. And if you wake the fuck up in the morning, you have your breath. Now, if you have your breath, you can you can change any situation you're going through. I will never forget doing Instagram Live, and I was talking about like positivity, etc. And this a friend of mine who lives in Syria. This is when Obama was president. They're being bombed every single day, and she gets on a live and goes, "We're being bombed every single day," and I still I still believe that we're gonna get through this, right? So I'm when you travel, you get to see that the shit you're going through, it ain't really shit. Right, like it's not, it's not as crazy as we make it. So I focus on what I have. I, when I wake up, I have my breath. I've got my family. If I have a bad, trust me, like I said, my brother going through that for the last two years. I'm driving from Roxbury to Mount Sinai to Wantage, New Jersey, back, and I was like, but you know what, man? If I wasn't here, who would do this for him? Who would do this for my mom? So I really focus on what I have and understand that when you're when you talk about positivity, it's okay. It's okay to have negative emotions, but don't make your bed in them. Mm. Is that now when you're when you're training people? I imagine you're coaching people still, right? No. Oh no. Okay. So well, forgive me. I used to. I used to, but then I'm like, that takes up so much time for the other stuff that I want to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'd rather go speak to a big audience. Is there a fine line between getting that perspective, but then also kind of like, um, what well, what's the term? Not validating. Uh, what somebody? What are they? What's the? I'm blanking. Reaffirming. Me. What's the opposite? It's where you're not affirming what they're going through. It's like, hey, it's not invalidating. That invalidating. Thank you, Omri. Appreciate it. When you invalidate somebody's pain or their experience, yeah. you know, and um, you know that that's something again to circle back to race. You hear that like, oh, just get over it. Well, that's yeah, yeah. invalidating. Yeah, yeah. Right. But at the same time, but I never focus like, on what you have. Like so, if, if Mick is going through something, right? I don't know his life. Like, everybody has a boogeyman, and everybody's boogeyman looks different. His boogeyman might not be my boogeyman, right? My boogeyman not be, might not be yours. So I never look if he goes, Cornell, you know what? I have paperophobia. I'm afraid of loose-leaf paper. I'm not like, what the fuck? You're afraid a real, of paper? Is that a real thing? Can we check that? Paperophobia, right? But it's like, there are people that have these phobias and these fears, right, of things that I'm not, I'm not afraid of going in front of crowds. I don't have agoraphobia. I'm like, cool with it. But I never diminish what you're going through because I don't know what you've been through, right? Yeah, and everybody's get, got their shit. Everybody has their everybody shit. Everybody has their shit. And it's about having the conversation, like, get a chance to meet you guys and talk to you guys. I've learned so much more today about you guys that I knew before, mm. right? And I feel like I have a... Mostly about mind. urinating. Yeah, urinating in sinks and bathtubs, <laughs> you dirty mother lover, right? But, like, I learned so much more, you know? Yeah, man. I learned a ton about yeah. you as well, Cornell. Do we have anything for the comments before we go? Uh, we have one question for Cornell. Uh, this is from Ricky Ricardo. He's asking, what's the biggest audience you've ever spoken in front of? And this is a, a little uh, tag for me is, is there anything different about going in front of the, like such a big audience rather than a regular one that you usually go up against? I'd say the biggest audience is probably around 4,000 people. And the only difference is, is you can't see all the faces. So you have to kind of, when you're doing your talk and you're kind of moving back and forth, you're kind of looking at 
spaces, like big blocks, chunks of space. When it's a more intimate audience, like 100, 200 people, like I can see and kind of make contact with almost everybody because I talk for 45 minutes to hour to three hours, it just doesn't matter. But when there's all those people, it's like being a comedian, not being able to see the crowd because of the lights, right? You're kind of just talking in the spaces. Like I watch comedians and coaches for their stage presence and see how they move and like the comedians that do move, right? See what they do. So it's kind of like you're just talking to chunks of the room and you have to dress all chunks. If I just sit there and talk straight, these guys are like, well, he doesn't give a shit about us, right? So I, I study I study the game. And for me, talking in front of 4,000, 10,000, 20,000, it doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's about my message. Now, you uh, you put on the Positivity Summit, yeah. right? When, yeah. when is your next one? June 23rd in, in Whippany, New Jersey. I was trying to get, okay. I was trying to steal Mick to see if Mick can come up and share some words for us. Yeah, I love he's, you. He's one of the most, and I'm sure you know, one of the most positive people ever. But yeah. positivity is something that it spreads to. It, it's, it's just a guy like Mick is one of those guys where people are better for being around him. Yeah. There's a good energy and it makes you want to do good things. It's like, you know, that's one of these things. You, It really does have a multiplier effect. Mm -hmm. Somebody that's positive about doing those things that suck. Hey, let's get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and hit in the gym. I don't want him. But you know what? I'd, I'd hang out with him anyway. So what? I want to call you out, though, though. Because you're a good fucking dude. And you act like you're this negative freaking guy. I'm just like, realistic. No, Yeah, but th th hold on. Fuck all that. Fuck all that. You're a good ass dude. Like, as soon as I walked in, Mick, I saw him. And it's like, immediately, I just met G for the first time today. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? What's up? I'm like, this big fucking dude. Like, gives me a hug. Like, it's all love, right? So yeah. your energy's good, bro. Like, I know, like, for me, like, I can be positive and still be realistic without being a rainbow butterfly guy. But your energy is dope, man. Now, I'm not gonna that, say that shit if I don't mean it, right? Like, your energy is good, it's a welcoming energy, oh. right? Unless you're, unless you're, you know, black or Asian, you know, or any of those <laughs> others, if you're not from Germany, you know? Uh, he's gonna be, be a comic before this thing's done. <laughs> Cornell, this was Thanks, an brother. absolute honor, Appreciate man. You, Thank you so much for coming on. Guys, this was Cornell Thomas. Where can they follow you, Cornell? Uh, Cornell Thomas 34 on Instagram, or CornellThomas.com is my website. Check out CornellThomas.com. Check out that Positivity Summit and check out the rest of Gas Yeah, I'm going to be at one of them Positivity Summits coming up very soon. So come come kick it with us. And June 8th. Learn some shit. June 8th. Keep that date on. June 8th, we're going to do our very first live podcast from the Stress Factory. June 8th. Check it yes. out. Come see Slick and Thick live in New Brunswick, New Jersey. It's going to be, as Mickey likes to say, a movie. It's going to be a movie. <laughs> Peace. Peace.